Hey, deviants. Thank you for tuning in to We, we Say, Say Weird, Weird Shit. Buddy, welcome in to We Say Weird Shit. We are your humble hosts. My name is Dave. And I'm Liz. And today we have another author in the house. Everybody say hello to Andy Wells. Hello, Andy Wells. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Hi. And we got we got a copy of his book, Tried to Be Straight. Um, and can you tell our listeners just a little bit about your book? Absolutely. So it was I was in my mid thirties. I was in a recovery program. I was spilling everything to my sponsor, and um, it was it was very difficult for me to tell him all the secrets of my life. And at the end of that conversation, he said he looked at me and he, and he said, "Andy, you're you're not straight." And I looked back and I said, "No kidding." And he said, "But I got to hand it to you, man. You tried really hard." And. Uh, <laughs> And I and I did, you know, I, I didn't put together that that there was anything different from my sexuality from anyone else. Um, I wasn't able to admit that to myself until late in my 20s or even early mid 30s. And and um, uh, and it took kind of that jolt of, look, you know, his next comment to me was your survival depends on what you do with this. Um, and if you don't accept it, you're you're a goner. And I was a conservative, born-again Christian, and that was very important to me, and the Bible was very important to me, and I had a master's degree in that stuff from a conservative institution, and, uh, and it, was a tight, it was a tough place to be. Uh, but once my life depended on how I treated my sexuality, um, I had to figure out a different way to go. And so I was happy with my life um, up until my late 40s, and I had a conversation with a mom who was who her and her son were working together to try and figure out what to do with his sexuality in a non-affirming Christian environment. And that's when I decided I needed to write the book because I realized I had some I had some tools that I could share with others uh, that could help them avoid some of the pain that I put myself through. Yeah. And you look like you're uh, in our age bracket. Uh, Liz and I's, um, we're 40. So if you're way older than 40, then, Hey, you're doing great. Um, (laughs) I'm way older than 40. (laughs) Well, then you're doing great. Um, but growing up in the society that we grew up in, we even say, even just as, uh, not so long ago as the 1990s, um, societal pressure, environmental pressure and everything was, a lot different than it is now. Um, when exactly did you find out? Now, I know you said you were in your 30s, but what time era was that? Yeah, so, so if, I'm, if you don't want to give away your age. No, you know. I'll give away my age. I'm, I'm in my early 50s. So okay. um, so I'm, I'm, you know, I grew up in the 80s and I, I remember, gosh, you know, I, I just got together with two of my old high school buddies. We hadn't seen each other since high school. And um, 
and one of them was talking about how he used to get beat up for being different and beat up meaning you know people would throw stuff at him people would get out of their cars and run chase chase him down and beat him up because he dressed like a punk rocker and and he wasn't white and it was in the town that i grew up in and and i i remember thinking to myself that i'm that i wasn't the only one that got treated like that i got treated like i was different um and and being different in that environment um meant that you got beat up and and that yeah. that sucked you know so yeah, oh, yeah being uh you know coming out a lot of my classmates came out later in life but um nobody was out in high school not one i couldn't tell you one person that was lgbtq in high school um once we hit college everybody kind of kind of found their own groups but uh, and for me uh you know like i said it, it wasn't i mean there were there are jobs that I couldn't have gotten. I wanted to get a job in public safety and and being a quote unquote homosexual was seen as something that w could keep you from getting that. Um, yeah. You couldn't get a security clearance for the Department of Defense or a lot of things you couldn't get. So even right. as late as the 80s and the mid 90s, um, it was not cool to be gay. Yeah. And I didn't that. realize that you wouldn't have been able to get security clearance. That's crazy. Yep. Well, back then, back then, you could be kicked out of even the military for, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, yeah. being gay. They had that, you know, and then they instilled the don't ask, don't tell. And it was, yeah, it, it, mm -hmm. it's been a, even recently, like, I mean, there's, they're more accepting now, but like back, back in the day, like back in the 90s and the, you know, early 2000s you couldn't be gay in the military. So getting a security clearance, I can imagine would be, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. um but, uh, yeah. So, so um, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm, no, I'm good. I was waiting for you actually. <laughs> That's like the one downside to us not being side by side anymore. Honestly. <laughs> um, I was going to say, um, how was the reaction in your church community when you did come out? I'd say, I so I came out as a result of the book in, in, my, in my old church community. So I went through three church communities. Uh, well, actually four. The, the church that I grew up in uh, was extremely affirming and accepting. In fact, they were performing gay uh, same-sex wedding ceremonies as early as the mid-70s, which mm -hmm. is which is, you know, pretty, I mean, that's crazy for most churches. Um, and then I became a born again Christian in my mid twenties, moved across the freeway to a, a non-accepting church. And then I, um, uh, and then I moved down to, that was in Pasadena. And then I moved down in to San Diego in my thirties. And that's where, um, I'd, I'd say there was another kind of a storefront church, you know, I call it the kind of the I, it's a, one of these churches that will rent a storefront, a uh, vacant storefront and put a big, you know, what they call a praise band in it. And so then when I moved up to the Bay Area, I, I joined another Episcopal church, which is fully affirming and accepting. So so it was when I came out on Facebook with my with my book. And I think at that point, most of the people who would be opposed to my sexuality and they would think that it's a choice didn't say anything, although two of two of my old friends did 
uh, tell me unequivocally that I am absolutely going to hell and that the people who listen to me are also going to hell. And there's no talking you with heard I mean, there's, there's no conversation with those people. It's like, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So. You heard it here. For, you heard it, heard it here first, listeners. You're going to hell for listening to this. Yeah. Kidding, kidding, kidding. <laughs> um, I, I will say that um, I went to a church when I was a teenager that basically made me realize I believe in God and not organized religion um, because I had a friend who was gay. And yeah. they told me I might as well be gay, too, because I was going to hell yep. because I didn't try and save him. And yeah. uh, I had a Sunday school teacher who I, he I, I don't know why he just we were kind of close. Like he felt like he could talk to me. And he told me that he when he was younger, he went to like one of those pray with the gay camps and everything. <laughs> and it it broke my heart. <laughs> like how you know, trying to change who you are because you feel like it's wrong. And so just after being in that church, there were other things that happened. I'm not going to get into, you know, just, it was just not accepting. And it it just made me realize I believe in God. I don't believe in organized religion because of that experience there. So, well, there's, there's, (laughs) there's a couple reasons why I need to be on your podcast. Um, I, I would imagine that this is, this podcast doesn't do too many Bible studies. Um, (laughs) but, but there's, there's, there's two good reasons to have me on. Number one is some of this stuff is absolutely hilarious. Um, like my conversation with myself in my twenties, wondering how a straight guy could be going out and, uh, with so many dudes, um, that was (laughs) And not thinking much of it. It's like, oh, okay, that's weird. For a straight guy, I sure do, you know, I, sh- I sure do sleep with a lot of men. Um, and and then the other thing is um, there's there's a societal issue that's bigger that, that we need to help people understand. And that is that some statistics have come out that the more religious an LGBTQ person is, the more likely they are to attempt self-harm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the only group of people that have that, that experience that phenomenon. Everybody else that, that gets active in their religious faith, their self-harm, uh, rates tend to go down, uh, with w- the one exception of the LGBTQ, uh, group of people. So that's it. So it's important that we, that we understand as just human citizens of the world, that there are alternatives that you don't have to throw out all of your faith and that you can deal with it in a way that's positive, that it can help move you forward to where you don't have to go down that road. Um, and, and so that's why it's really, I, I think for all of us, no matter what our religious background, no matter what our faith background is, um, look, I look at some of the beliefs that I personally hold and I understand why somebody would think they're ridiculous. I completely understand that. I believe them, but... Um, but when it comes to, you know, a child in a non-accepting, non-affirming home is eight times more likely to, to attempt self-harm, mm-hmm. then we need to get to in front of parents and say, it, it might not be your job to tell your kids that whether this is right or wrong. They're going to get that message anyway. Maybe your job is just to give them a big hug and yeah. tell them how much you love them. You know, mm-hmm. maybe as mom and dad, that's your job. And that it, let, let somebody else tell them that God doesn't love them. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, the Now, it, and this is not me being like closed-minded or anything. This is just an observational thing. But I've noticed more in 2022, parents are pushing their children more into um, – and not all parents are like – I've just noticed some parents push their kids to be gay or, you know, to kind of stay up with whatever, you know – whatever social media trend is going on too. Would you say that that's an issue as well in the LBGT, uh, LGBTQ community? <laughs> First off, Dave, I just say gay. I, I, I've, I'm, it probably pisses some people off, but it's just easier for, so for me. I, I, I'm, I have a whole chapter in my book on why I just say gay because gosh, LGBTQIA plus plus two S it's it. And it's important that it we gets get confusing. It, it is confusing. It gets confusing. But also, it's important that we allow people to be to be to identify the way that they need to, to identify, and it's important for us all to respect that. Um, but it's also important for us to communicate uh, well, and so um, so it's kind of a fine line between trying to respect, try my best to respect everybody's need to identify, um, and it's a legit need, um, and and also turning around to um, to be able to complete a sentence you know so uh <laughs> so i called that i called that chapter in my book i ended up calling it coming to terms because one of my friends said that alphabet soup was was uh was was a negative uh you know thing but i was going to call it alphabet soup um the idea of parents pushing their kids into one thing or another i i don't know um i do know this that when being gay wasn't an option, I wasn't gay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't deal with it. I couldn't look at it head on for what it was. And that created problems. So how did I end up in a recovery program? Because the facades I was trying to maintain without even knowing it uh, were killing me, absolutely killing me. And so it was yeah. it, so being able to live in an environment where I don't need to maintain a bunch of facades um, is is better for my mental health. And that's what I would think, you know, if I if I were to posit and I'm not a mental health professional and I'm not a parent. So this is take this for what it's worth. Uh, but mm -hmm. I've talked to a lot of people who are and I'm good friends with a, with a woman who started a network of over 40,000 moms. Uh, called the real mama bears and her name is Liz Dyer and she says the same thing you know it's it's important to allow your kids to be who they are and what they are and let them kind of explore without that fear of getting kicked out um, her story is that she was non-affirming growing up and raising her kids in Texas and her, her son realized he was gay at 12 but didn't come out till he was 19 yeah. and it haunted her the idea that he had to go through that without his mother because right. he was afraid of her reaction. And that's what it tore her up and it, and it, it took her right out of the, of the church picture, you know, as far as her yeah. non-affirming church and all that, she became very angry with them for teaching her all that stuff. So yeah, that's my, that's my thought on parents. Yeah. And look, I, I'm all about like, um, and I know when I, when that came out, it came out a little bit more almost bigoted. Um, but what I'm saying, stuff. I do, I do say weird shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all these deviants will tell you. Um, <laughs> but 
when I when it comes down to it, what I'm trying to say is uh, like I've noticed like social media trends where like, uh, you know, there's a woman and she has like, I don't know, a four month old baby. And then she's like, my baby's gay because he does this. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's more of like it almost seems like a push because it's the trend of the time or whatever. Um, but I am all about that. If a child comes to, you know, comes to the realization that they feel a certain way inside of their body, you know then they should be respected as much as anybody else. Um, you know, and it's the parents uh, who are like, you're going to be gay. Because yeah. I said so. Look, you know, yeah. and I have seen that. Yeah. Good, good luck in trying to make your kids gay. I mean, right. Yeah. My parents right. couldn't make me straight. And that's the, I think really at the end of the day, it's the same exact thing. It's a horse, you know, it's a horse of the same color. Because you got, you know, your conservative Christians who are just like hell bent on, you know, a man sleeps with a woman and it's got to be missionary. And there's, you know, um, you know, if a man lays with another man. Do do you you know there was a time in the church where you needed permission to have intercourse with your wife or your husband? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's crazy. (laughs) It's crazy to me. Yeah. Well, yeah, it looks like it's like uh, traditional Christianity. Uh, people talk about the, the traditional Christian position. And I'm like, which, you know, do you want us to go back to all of them or just some of them? Just the ones you like, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And really what it comes down to is like, you know, the rules change. They always do, and especially, you know, in, in Christianity, I've noticed. Uh, I myself, I don't know if you've picked it up. I'm an atheist. Um and I, I don't it doubt makes for any, fun conversations here in our home, by the way, <laughs> it really does. It really does. Um, but yes, I'm an outspoken atheist, but I do respect the people who have religion in their lives and they want to, and you know, they, they follow something in this planet, you know, th- this world that we, you know, that we are basically forced into living and, you know, and, um, if they could find, if they can find peace in, in belief or faith or whatever, Hey, my, my, my heart goes out to you. I'm not going to like combat you on your beliefs. Um, but, and by the way, if you, if I were to say, I believe in anything, it would be the sun because you know, science. Um, (laughs) uh, but Liz and I, Liz and I, we have these conversations all the time. Uh, I lost where I was going in this, but, um, I do ramble. (laughs) I do ramble. (laughs) Anyway, I had a I had a hair's looking spot on today. (laughs) (laughs) I had a I I, I had the opportunity and this is this is the scariest thing that I've done as far as coming out. Um, My I I work for a I work in a large organization and um, I I report to one of the VPs and their chief of staff came out and said, hey, we, we need a diversity message for the executive leadership, something or other. And I thought and nobody was raising their hand. And I was like, um. You know, I, I haven't really come out at work, but that much. I mean, I'm, I'm not hiding it, but but I said, OK, I'll do it. And then I found out what it was for. It was like fifteen hundred leaders on this on this televised, you know, call. And I was like, I don't know that I, that's not what I really signed up for. But OK, so I, I gave the message and my message was about why it's important to um, why it's important that I identify my pronouns uh, that are that are he and him. Um and why it's important that I want all of my coworkers to feel 
like they're just as normal as everybody else, no matter what, you know, when they come into work, that it's that safe of a place and how I haven't felt normal as a gay man. Um, and that's why that's what's kept me from coming out at, at, at work. A lot of times is I don't want to be the that gay guy. I just want to be Andy. And um, mm. and so after this little thing, I got a lot of messages. And one of the messages was from a director who sent me a picture of her kid. And she said, look, this kid is three years old and wearing dresses exclusively. And I have no idea whether this is a phase or whether God made them this way, but either way, I'm good. Uh, mm. and, and, I, and the picture of the kid was just so adorable. It was like, right on, mom. Like you are just, yeah. you, you get it. Your job is to love your kid. That's all it yeah. is. And, and yeah, yeah, Dave, I understand why people would be atheists. If you look at the behavior of a lot of the people that, that hold, that share my beliefs, it doesn't exactly, exactly drive you to the cross of Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and a lot of the right. strategies that I've learned, I have a degree in, in making you believe what I believe, incidentally. That's what my master's degree is, and it's called <laughs> Christian apologetics. So my my degree is you're wrong and I'm right, and I'm very good at that. Uh, but if I have to, if 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 drawing you to the to the great cause of Christianity starts with me calling you stupid, it's probably not going to work too well, you right. know. And so, so so that's I think if we take that idea and apply it to all of the ways that we approach the people that are in our lives that don't agree with us or, or have a different way of approaching a thing, as long as it's not harmful, well, let's not start by calling each other stupid. That's going to get us off in a place where we can't have a conversation past that comment. Yeah. And yeah. And uh, just to reiterate what you're, you, you were saying, that's also like telling somebody that they're straight when they're not straight at all. Yeah. I mean, people have told you know? me I'm not gay. Um, people have right. told me there's no such thing as gay. People have told me there's no such thing as a gay Christian. Um, you know, th there are th a lot of the strategies. In fact, the, the entertaining part of this is the conversion therapy movement uh, that started in the mid-70s when they removed uh, homosexuality as a diagnosable diagnosis in the DSM-IV, which is the manual for diagnosing uh, psychological conditions. And, um, mm -hmm. uh, and incidentally that came about from, it was started by a study in the fifties that, uh, compared a bunch of really gay men and a bunch of really straight men. And it took all their, you know, little ink blot tests or whatever they did. To, and, and they took all the results and took out whether they were gay or not, put them in front of a bunch of psychologists and said, pick out the gay ones. And they couldn't do it. Nobody could do it. There was just no no measurable difference in the mental health between uh, LGBTQ people and straight people, and so from that they said, well, if there's no measurable difference, it's not a it's not a disorder. Um, so they pulled that out. So then the Christians freaked out because they really need it to be a, a disorder. So right. at least the conservative ones, um, and so they started this ridiculous movement that has been called many, many things. But in the end, it's like you've got people that are trying to teach each other how to cross their legs so that they won't be gay. Because if you cross your legs the way a woman crosses her legs, that'll make you gay. And if you cross your legs the way a dude crosses his legs, then that'll help you not be gay. And it's the most, it, right. it, basically all it is, is I, I'm going to 
you know, I'm, I'm going to put a, a new paint job on the same house and call it something different, you know, and it, and it, so it, it's, if you it, throw it, this woman into the water and she sinks, she's a witch. Exactly. But if she floats. <laughs> you make that yeah. connection and I hadn't made it before, but that is a, that's a, a really good analogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I and, say smart shit too. Well, I, you know, <laughs> the other thing is, the other thing is, it's like most people would say, and if you're normal, you're probably thinking this, why would I even care? If people want to do weird stuff and, and be in their weird little culty groups or whatever it is, I, if, as long as they stay off in their corner and I can stay off in my corner, why do I care? And the reason that I want people to care about this is that, number one, it is hilarious. Like, like the people who have founded these programs have all said after 20 years of trying that it never worked for anybody, including themselves. Um, the founders of the the largest, longest running ex-gay organization on the planet uh, ran off with each other and got married, left their wives, ran off and got married. Um, <laughs> it's, it, and it just, and that was the start. That was like the, the yeah. mid seventies, you know, they, they just, but they just couldn't see the, the, uh, the writing on the wall and they had to keep trying and trying and trying. And I get it. I understand it, but you know, when you've got video of there was a there's a guy that was on national television shaking his finger at people saying, Jesus made me straight and Jesus can make you straight too. Then then the video surfaced of this guy in like an orgy <laughs> with yeah. all all men. <laughs> like Oh you know, and it's like so yeah. so you know, and and so the author of of uh uh, there's an author named Wayne Besson who uh, who wrote a book called Anything But Straight, unmasking. I think it's like unmasking the lies of the. Anyway, Anything But Straight by Wayne Besson, and and he's the one that has has chased people out of gay bars, you know, and all these. So that's the hilarious part of this. The hilarious part of this is the guys that that have been um, leading the cause that have said, hey, you don't have to be gay anymore, and then the next thing you know, they're they're on Grinder. Um, right. Yeah. You know, and and it's so so. There's the entertaining factor, and then there's the fact that you probably know people that are stuck. They're stuck in an in an organization and a belief system that says don't be gay, and there is no freaking way you can not not be gay, right? Mm. I mean, how do you? How... Uh, Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> We have talked about your environment um, as far as the church is concerned. Um, how did your family come to terms with it? It's it's pretty funny. Um, my dad and and uh, I've, I have to say this with the assumption that my dad will listen to this podcast. So um, so my dad, when I came out and I came out in 2013 to my parents, and my dad said, you know, 20 years ago, this would have gone over like a lead balloon. But hey, it's 2013. And the crazy thing is my my parents joined that church and were have always been extremely proud of the fact that they were gay affirming um, and that they had LGBTQ people on on in their clergy as priests. Um, and so I think I don't think my dad was giving himself enough credit 
uh, I think he would have been fine with it, honestly. But the idea that it's hard for a parent to hear their kid, you know, it's easy when it's someone else's kid, but it's hard for them to hear their own kid going through anything other than, you know, white picket fence and 2.5 kids, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's a real thing. Uh, but my family has been overwhelmingly supportive um, and and there has been no issues there whatsoever. The issue, and this is how I described it, when I came out to my parents, I said, look, it's it's not that I was afraid of your reaction. It's that I couldn't accept myself. And so the reason that I didn't come out to you until the age of 43 or so um, had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do with my ability to accept myself, to look in the mirror and say, I'm a gay man and that's and that's who I am and that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. That's not a bell you can unring once <laughs> once you say it, right? Right, right. Um, so, so it went over very well. Um, I used it as a way of expressing my love to my family um, and to affirm them as as loving people in my life. And uh, and it and it went over very positively. That's excellent. It's really good to have the support of your family. I mean, it makes it, it makes the inner struggle seem less. And I'm sure, uh, you know, like. I'm sure having that, it was just like a, just a weight off your chest. I mean, you know, no doubt. Um, it was terrifying. I'm sure it was. Every time I come out, I couldn't imagine. I, I live. I couldn't in imagine. What I, I've, I've, I call the Bay Area the epicenter of the gay universe. It's not, but I've called it that in the past. And even though I live here, I'm surrounded by affirming people. I'm still scared when I come out. I still get self conscious. I still get tentative about it. Yeah. And I still look back at the person and think, you know, do they do they still accept me as a as a person? Um, and it's gotten easier the more you the more I've yeah. done it. But um, yeah, it's it's a scary thing. Yeah. Which is why when people come out, I always say, you know, don't don't come back with the even if or the even though or anything like that. Just thank hey, thank them for for being willing to share that important part of their life with you and, you know, and take it as a compliment because the person is trusting you with something that they're trusting you with something that could be turned around to be used, uh, um, to hurt them. And so they're, they're showing their trust yeah. in you when they do that. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, uh, I actually, um, and I'm just going to do a shout out to my friend Emery on here. Um, because he's one of our biggest supporters of the podcast. Um, Emery is a trans man, and he's also been a guest on our uh, one of our previous episodes. Um, you should listen to that episode. You really his story is yeah. you could write a book out of it. Um, and, and it's continuing. I mean, it's you it's, know, it's still a it's journey. ongoing even now. And mm -hmm. I see what he goes through on a daily basis. You know, yeah. I'm not giving away any of his any of his stories or anything. That's not mine to tell. But, um, you know, I see what he goes through on a daily basis. I see the inner struggles that he has. And um, what makes it easier is for him to open up to me is not only are we friends, but he's also one. Of, he's also my subordinate at work. Um. So like he comes to me with like anything work related, life related. I'm like, I almost feel like his rock. You know what I mean? And uh, so, yeah, I totally understand how how I can't under I can't understand how he's feeling 
but I can understand how it would be like a, a, a weight, you know, to just have somebody to listen, to vent, to, you know, um, and support in all aspects of his life, you know, and I think more people need to be that way. I, I have to say that, that I, I was at a party, uh, one of the ladies at my church, um, she, it was her 60th birthday party. Um, and, uh, so she invited her ice hockey team, um, like you do when you're 60. And, um, th- that was pretty impressive. And it, all these women were there. And this one lady I was talking to was a, a retired attorney. And I, we were talking about being out at work. And I said, I, I'm not coming out to my boss because he's a conservative Christian and he, you know, and, and he's, uh, he's a good guy. I mean, he takes his vacations and he builds, he builds like orphanages for people in third world countries. I mean, it's not like he's a, but I just know that his theology doesn't, doesn't accept people like me. And so I, I don't bother. And she said, Oh, whoa, wait a second. Whoa. So he gets to tell his story and you don't get to tell yours. And I'm hemming and hawing and saying, well, I don't know that I would put it that way. It's just that, you know, it's just, and she said, no, I don't. I don't know. He gets to tell his story about the the orphanages and the conservative Christian and all that. But you don't get to. T- I don't think that's right. I don't think that's right. And I'm like, well, so I walked away from the conversation a week later. My boss and I are driving to a, a an offsite work meeting and he says, you know, Andy, you and I have been working together for about a year. And it just dawned on me that I don't know your story. What's your story? And, you know, and this is one of those little moments that that keeps me from being an atheist, Dave. Uh, <laughs> Fine, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and so so anyway, I I uh, I told him my basically my story, you know, and, and where the and where it was leading and all of that. And and uh, um, I would say that that the the part of the reaction to that that wasn't positive was important for me to experience. Um, but the part of that that was positive was I needed to learn how to to be who I am no, no matter within reason, right? No matter the consequences, because um, it helps other people that are in my position at work. Um, it, it, helps, it helps people like me be normal rather than the exception. And, and it's, it, so I'm really grateful to that, to that lady for, for setting me, well, I was going to say setting me straight on, on that, but I don't think that's appropriate in this conversation. So, Oh, setting you gay on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I have, and I, I don't want to sound rude, I've been so busy lately. I've not had a chance to pick up your book, but I, I'm really curious now that you've told a bit of what you, you know, your background and you've shared, you know, w- with our listeners. And um, I know like you, you, you were awesome enough to send us this copy here. So I'm definitely going to dive into it the minute I get some free time because it is it, it. Yeah, it's a it's an awesome story. And um you know, and you've been so far, you've been an awesome guest. Liz, do you uh, have any more questions for him? Because I am tapped. <laughs> like he has answered everything. I love it. <laughs> um, I can't think of any. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I, I, uh, it's it, the, the book starts with, with me telling Heidi Fleiss that she needs Jesus. You know what? You mentioned that before. 
All right. Do I have to read that or can you tell me? I, the, I start the whole book off with with uh, um, a friend of mine and I standing in line at Heidi Fleiss's underwear store. And Heidi Fleiss was if for those of you who are are, you know, not in their 40s and 50s, um, she was known as Hollywood's madam. And she was on trial in the mid 90s for pimping and prostitute prostitution and pandering and all this. And um, ah, the good old days. To, oh, yeah, it was wonderful. And <laughs> And she's actually really cool. Um, she she uh, she opened up an underwear store in uh, old Pasadena to help her pay for her legal defense. And so one night she was signing boxers. And so we stood in line and 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 instead of buying boxers and uh, we we did the good Christian thing, which was to hand her a Bible tract that said she needed to accept Jesus um, and. Uh, if I were to do that today, I would have bought some boxers, incidentally, just so everybody knows that that was a crummy thing to do. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and she was very cordial and she, you know, she thanked us and we went on our way. But um, I, one of these days I'm going to catch up with Heidi Fleiss and have a conversation with her about about everything that was going on in my mind during that conversation and see if she even remembers it. I'll, something tells me she may. She may remi- remember the remember that. So. I th- I can remember every single instance in my life where somebody's handed me a chick track. <laughs> every single instance, up until the last one I got two weeks ago. Wow, <laughs> they're on you. Uh, they are. They're on me. They're on me like five. And you know, uh, Liz and I, we actually don't live very far from a church. And every once in a while, there will be a chick track on our door and nobody else's. Wow. Um. Oh yeah, yeah. We're when the only we ones first in the community moved, not going. When we first moved into our house two years ago, somebody from the church brought groceries and left them on our uh, front porch two and weeks they in did, a row. Yeah, they did this like for a couple of weeks. hundreds of dollars of groceries. Wow. And like, I'm like... We're not, we're not in need, you know? Yeah. And like, we've, we felt terrible because like you know, they're dropping groceries off to our house without saying anything. And we just assumed that maybe they were dropping it off for like a former resident, but nobody's Mm -hmm. lived in this house for over a year. You know what I mean? Before we moved in Mm -hmm. and, or it could have been like a wrong address or something like that. No, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like a welcome to the neighborhood thing, but um, yeah, we felt super guilty because like there were there are people in in our area that are way less fortunate than we are. Yeah. And, um, you know, that didn't stop us from taking what we wanted and giving the rest to I don't know. I, was it your parents? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We still want we still took the, what we wanted. And I kept the crayons. Churches yeah. don't churches don't have to be ugly organizations that tell you horrible things about. Mm-hmm you know, your lifestyle or what, what, you know, they think is your lifestyle. And, um, my church is, um, really weird. Number one, uh, because they, because I fit right in. So that makes them right. <laughs> uh, but you know, when I had, I had foot surgery about a year and a half ago and they were in my house every day, bringing me food. Cause I couldn't get out, really couldn't get much out of bed. Um, mm-hmm. And that was great. It's great to be part of an organization where, and it's my turn to do that every once in a while. You know, there, there's a need I can fulfill and it's a wonderful community to be in. Um, but also uh, they are very 
adamant about participating in their food pantry, which which is a separate organization, but it runs out of our out of our church. We're really glad to be able to convert our worship space into a place where over 500 families come and get fed every week, get their food for the week. So um, so there can you know, I when I look at the history of, of what church has done uh, for society in general, there there's definitely some dark you know, marks in, in history and there's more than 10, but there's also some good stuff. Looking at you Catholics. (laughs) And I, I actually, you know, the Southern Baptists are having a run of it right now. You know, it's, 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 there's a lot of, (laughs) and, and you know what, um, people who after 50 years of failure, fraud and fornication, people who send their church members into conversion therapy are part of the, are part of the dark side. Mm -hmm. Uh, but the light side is, it's a place if you get to the right one and I found for me the right one, um, it can be a great place to have friends and do cool stuff. So yeah, it's like I anime. Think, <laughs> I think for like me, just, you haven't watched you know, one. <laughs> in high school, obviously it was not the right church for me. If they were, you know, it, it to me, it was more like they were preaching hate you know, yeah. and unfortunately you tend to hear those stories or the stories like Joe Olstein, who, you know, <laughs> is a mega billionaire and turns yeah. people away when they need help. Those are the stories you hear and you, you do not hear the stories of the good churches that often. Yeah. So I guess maybe, maybe I should try and find one in my area that, you know, works more for well, me. Well, you did for a while, didn't you? That non-denominational uh, city church, wasn't it? Um, what didn't no. you like about them? Getting up early. <laughs> <laughs> we need our church to start at 2 p.m., thanks. See, you'll, I don't like getting up early either, but you'll know you're in the right <laughs> church when you're, you're more than willing to get up early because it's, it's that big of a draw for you. Yeah. And, I, you know, I you don't know the right podcast <laughs> or the right, the right podcast, podcast That's right. when you're when you're willing to get up and be on that show at 930 in the morning. Well, that was the church that we went to right after you had heart failure, right? Yeah. Yeah. And one of the pastors there said something because we were talking to him one day and he came to visit you in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, we're not, you know. You're like, I'm not religious. And I'm like, yeah, I believe in God, but I'm not religious. And he's like, I'm not religious either. I'm relational, you know, and I think that kind of struck a chord with me, too. And and to be to be clear on this, I went to the church after they came to visit me in the hospital. Um, I am not so close minded that I'm not afraid to walk through the doors of a church and I would just burst into flames, you know, but um Again, I, I keep an open mind. I always keep an open mind. Um, they went to visit think, you a few times when you were in the yeah. hospital. And so we went to I'll church. I'll pray a few with them. After you, got out. you know, I'll pray with them if they want me to pray with them. You know, um, I do it more. And I'm not saying I do it for them. Maybe this is just a narcissist in me. But I, I, I do it with the hopes of feeling something about it. You know? And I don't know if that sounds sociopathic or not, but, um, and I just never I think did. That speaks, 
it speaks more to like you used to say you weren't atheist. You used to say you were agnostic, like you were yeah. open to the idea. Yeah. So I think that that's where that comes in. You know, you were right. still kind of trying to figure it out. So. Yeah. And, you know, with me, my atheism, um, again, I don't make it my personality. You know, I just I just am. You know, it, it, yeah. that's how I am in, in life. Um, the only reason I talk about it now is we might get on a subject of Christianity or we might get in a and, I, you know, I'm I'm like before we get too far into it, I, I always like to tell people, hey. Just so you know, this is how I think, yeah. you know what I mean? And that way they don't just assume that, you know, I'm. I'm a Christian or, you know, whatever, or I, I believe in God. Um, because on a personal level, um, and I've explained this in many episodes, um, there are a series of events that happened to me in my life that has led me to where I am now, as far as like, uh, my, my beliefs, you know, and, um, it didn't feel right until I started saying, I believe in the sun. You know, it just didn't feel right to me. Um, And I've tried everything. Uh, I was born a Baptist, just a regular old Baptist. Uh, There was two churches that we went to. Um, There was one down the road from us that I could walk to every Sunday. And then there was one that that was a couple of miles down the road. And they had a little, uh, it was almost like a summer camp, but it wasn't. You just go to it every day. Um, from your house, and it was called Awana. I'm sure you've heard maybe of Awana before. I have. I've um, heard the, I, I don't know anything about it. I've just I have heard the term though. It it's it it almost feels like a cult. <laughs> like yeah, it really does. It almost feels like a cult. Um, they make you chant things, and you know. <laughs> um, but. You know, uh, and then throughout my teenage years, I experimented with different religions, trying to find myself. I've, you know, it was cool to be, it was cool to be Wiccan. So I tried to be Wiccan, you know, it was cool to be, you you know, I studied Celtic, um, you know, Druid. Um, I, I studied that for a brief stint, you know, um, I've even now I've never I've never practiced, but I've even read, you know, satanic Bibles and stuff like that. Just trying to, you know, find my place in the world. Didn't make sense to me. All right. Um, I'm just putting this out there. Satanists. They are not as cool as people think they are. (laughs) Like like, it's almost like, you know, like, let's get together and have punch and pie and you know, preach hate. Um, <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, it was a very brief stint. I, w- I read a little bit about it and I'm like, yeah, that ain't for me. So, you know, I just went for a very long time saying I was agnostic um, because I wanted to believe in something, you know, and I believe that there was something. And then it just came down to like later on in life, I had heart failure. Um, but, so, you know, I had heart failure and I got prayed with in church and everything like we went to church and and everything. And it just didn't feel right to me. And then finally, one day I said, you know what? I just I think I just believe in the sun. I believe in science. 
you know, and that that so far I've just absolved my mind of thinking about it. You know, I don't have to belong. I just have to be, you know. And on the, and on the flip side, when I went through my tough times, I, since I had had my religious training, I couldn't discard my beliefs because I've looked at, you know, a, maybe a different set of facts. I don't know. Maybe evidence is better than facts, I guess, I think is the is a better term um, because yeah. because facts uh, just assumes that I'm right. You know, so but I had a, I had this education under my belt. And so as damning as it was, I couldn't walk away from this idea of an empty tomb or what my other atheist friend calls zombie Jesus. Um, ah, zombie Jesus. Zombie Jesus, because Jesus is <laughs> walking around the earth three days after he's been legally declared dead. Um, and so uh, so I couldn't get away from that. I couldn't get away from all the evidences that I learned in, in, uh, in college. Um, and yet I also couldn't couldn't subscribe to a faith. I couldn't practice a faith that required something of me that I wasn't capable of giving, which was don't be gay. And so I figured out how to reconcile that. And, um, and, and it was, I, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Actually, I'm glad I'm at where I'm at right now. Um, and I'm glad I'm in a position. I'm glad I went to a fundamentalist university that I could learn how to speak conservative because I can write a book in a, in a manner that's going to hopefully reach some of the people that are stuck um, and, and give them an option or a way out that's going to help. So It's really, it's not hard to speak conservative, though. I mean, if you think about it, <laughs> all you got to do is just be like, America, well, it's beer 30. That's true. <laughs> Uh, what, it's five o'clock somewhere, y'all. I, I think what helped, you know, <laughs> I tried. I tried to quote like Jerry Falwell. I quoted. I, I found a quote from Jerry Falwell that that where he said that you don't go to hell for being gay, you go to hell for not accepting Jesus. So the fact that Jerry Falwell mm -hmm. said that um, is important because yeah. you know that way Andy doesn't have to say that because who am I, you know? Um, so mm -hmm. I just tried to find as many as many of those quotes and I already knew where they were. Uh, thankfully, I'll tell you one thing I had all my old theology books. I had uh, donated like four months before I decided to write this book. It killed me. Like I was, I, you know, I, I, I had kept, I had held on to them for 20, almost 20 years and hadn't mm -hmm. opened a lot of them. So I thought, Oh, I'll just donate. And then four months later, I needed them all back. That was the bad news. The good news was there's a really awesome theological library um, on, right on the edge of the campus of UC Berkeley or uh, Cal that I was introduced to as a result. So all those books existed in that library and I got to study there. So it wasn't, wasn't the fantastic. end of the world. But yeah, it was just kind of funny that, 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 that you know, the way things. Well, that's happen. the beautiful things about, that's the beautiful thing about books. They make more than one. Well, in most cases. There was one I had to drive about 60 miles to find because it had been recalled by the, the, the first book that was written about Christian conversion therapy was recalled uh, by the, um, by the uh, publisher because it gave six examples of people that weren't gay anymore. And four of them reached out to the publisher and said, excuse me, I'm still gay. 
that is a lie about me and <laughs> and then it just went downhill from there oh wah, wah. Well, isn't that, I, I was gonna say like that uh there's that netflix documentary i haven't watched it yet about people who went through the conversion yeah. and then they're like i'm <laughs> remember the guy that i told you about that ran off the founder of the program that ran off with one of the other founders he's, oh, yeah. his name is michael buzzy he's he's featured in that uh it's called pray away and he's featured mm -hmm. in that all over it um also one of my favorite quotes was from yvette cantu snyder who was working for i'm gonna get this wrong she was with uh the christian well, she she was with Focus on the Family, for one, and she ran their women's programs and some other ex-gay stuff that they did. And she said all day long, all she did was deal with complaints about the leaders of the program uh, hitting on their their um, their members. Um, and she thought to herself, if it's not working for the leaders, it's certainly not working for the participants. It's not working for anybody. And this is bogus. So... Family Research Council, yeah. that was the other group she worked for. Very conservative organization that's, you know. And that, and that, I mean, and it sucks because, like, we were talking about, you know, uh, facts earlier, you know. And um, the thing is, is, like, when it comes down to it, the fact right now is that this is a thing that's never going to go away. Yeah. And um, the fact is they're trying so hard to make it go away. It doesn't, you know, but when you put that many people in the same room at the same time who all feel the same way, yep. eventually the fact is it's going to happen. You know, the question that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> all I was going to say was, you know, it. it I was just going to like, you know, re reiterate my point. It's just, you know, it, it's not going to stop. So like, you know, either you can accept it, you know, for what it is, take it at face value and just stay in your lane or not. But if you don't like still stay in your fucking lane, <laughs> you know, like that's really the point I was trying to make. You're, you're absolutely right. Um, Another good question to ask is why would Andy, knowing that Michael Buzzy ran off with a with one of the volunteers at Exodus in the 70s, so it so the guy that founded the program or one of the founders, and and since then everybody's done the same thing, um, and the 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 story about uh, by Gerard Connolly about uh, gosh what was it called um, oh shoot. I'll think of it. Anyway, a true, true story that came out uh, on, on film a couple years back. Um, and, uh, you know, the guy that f ran one of the longest running residential programs after 26 years uh, came out, said this thing doesn't work. Right. I mean, just leader after leader after leader saying it never worked. It doesn't work for anybody. Then why would I go in and pay a psychotherapist every other week, every week? so that I don't have to be gay anymore. Well, it's because I was so desperate that I was willing to try anything, even the stuff that doesn't work. Because I couldn't be gay. And 
psychotherapy. I mean, come on, therapists know better. You're, they, 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 that's a that's just another customer, you yeah. know. Yeah. At, at the end of the day, I mean, really, do they care that much, or is it just extra bread? I I don't know. I don't know whether my therapist was sincere or not. I, I don't know his story. Um, all I know is that I was desperate and I didn't care. I didn't care if it worked or not. I just needed to do something, anything. And at the end of that whole fiasco, I was just as gay as I was when I went, went in. And so were all my friends that went to the same guy and my, you were a little broker (laughs) (laughs) and my experience wasn't unique. Right. It's, it's just, um, so I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy what beliefs will make people do. Um, I didn't have to change my beliefs terribly much. I'm still a Christian. I still go to church. Mm-hmm. I still have a great faith. I have a great church community. Um, and I like where we fit into the world. I like where we fit into our community around us. Um, I, I think we have a positive impact from many different uh, standpoints. And it, and it, 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 and I still, I still like the Bible. I still love Jesus. So, you know, the, yeah. the message is you don't have to go too far to figure it out and solve your problem. And to all the people that walked away from their faith, walked away from their church and had to had to, uh, um, you know, had to deal with the repercussions there. I get it. And it's a very understandable way to solve your problem. The problem yeah. being a bunch of people telling you not to be gay or go to hell. You know, totally understandable. <sighs> Ah, yes, the proverbial Hades for uh, for the for the gay. (laughs) I I had one where where I realized how deep the hurt goes uh, was I was talking about my book to somebody and his boyfriend chimed in and said I had to excommunicate my family and my church. Oof. And. (sighs) I I find it. I find it awesome that you personally have been able to just adjust one section of your life and not the section of it that you love the most that you had to completely get rid of it and that you didn't make it a personality that I'm gay now. So I have to do this and I have to do this. All you did was come to terms with the fact that this is who you are. And then that was it, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody remained the same. And I'm sure, like you said earlier in the podcast, that you had a couple of friends just completely write you off over it. And that's it's it's sad and it's their loss because you seem like an awesome guy. Thank you. You know, um, you know, and uh, I I, to be honest with you, like uh, I, I keep saying, I cannot understand your struggle. I'll never be able to understand that struggle. Um, And to be as, I hate to use the word brave, but it's the only word that comes to mind to be brave enough to explore that side of yourself and realize that's who you are is it's huge and it's monumental. And I think more people should be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, sympathetic to it rather than this is the, you know, my beliefs are so strong. Go fuck yourself. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
if that makes sense to you, like, I think it's great. And I think that you, I think it's awesome that you wrote this book. And, um, you know, like I said, it's, uh, inspiring enough that, um, you that you're getting your story out there for people to read. And I urge people to read this book. I urge it. Um, I'm going to myself, like I said, I'm sorry, I haven't yet, but I'm going to, I promise you. It's okay. You just got um, it a couple days ago. I know, but I would, I would have liked to at least read some of it. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. work is hell right now. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the name of the book is tried to be straight options for gay Christians. The author is Andy Wells. Um, Andy, we'd like to give all of our guests, uh, or a, a little platform of what's happening next for you. Uh, so if you want to just go ahead and tell us what's happening next for Andy Wells within the next few uh, minutes, if you're going to be doing a book signing anywhere, where you can find your book, if you uh, if you have a way to personalize bo- books for our guests, whatever it is you want to tell our listeners, go right on ahead. This is your stage. Fantastic. Well, you can you can learn more about me and the book uh, on my website, which is triedtobestraight.com. Um, if you have a problem with that and uh, you, you can't find me anywhere, just Google Andy Wells and gay. Uh, there are two websites that come up. Uh, one is a fan page for Andrew Wells from uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, that's not me. Uh, the other one is me. And, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I think I think I'm, I'm doing podcasts a bit. I'm going to conferences a bit. I love talking to people. I love answering questions. I love having conversations. So, uh, and I'm not in such demand that, um, I don't have time to, to respond if people want to reach out to me. So please, uh, please do. I love it when I want to hear from people. Uh, so I'd, I'd love to love to chat with anybody. Um, I say that now it's probably not going to change. I'll probably, you know, a year from now, probably to still be in the same boat. So give me a shout. I'd love to hear from everybody. Well said. And I actually thought of something while you were talking. Why don't you do a podcast? Be, you, you know this. It's a good idea, Dave, but you also know how much work is involved. Yes, and, I do. Uh, and so, so <laughs> when I have that time... Um, because right now it's pr- promoting and marketing the book has been has been a lot of work. It's been and work means time, you know. So so mm-hmm. as soon as I have the time, I might just do that. Well, I'll tell you what. Right now, um, just so just so you're aware, um, this guy here is going to school for marketing. So <laughs> next book you write, next book you write, look me up, man. I'll help nope. you with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and absolutely stay in touch, man. You seem like a fantastic gent. We want to have you on again, um, maybe a few months from now or something, sure. whenever you feel like doing it. Love to come back. Um, you guys are great. We try. We try. You know. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, so Deviants, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Thank you, Andy, for coming and uh, telling your tale. Uh, everybody, uh, Andy will have a full profile up underneath this episode on our website. Um, so every link that he has given me will be available to you. So you can reach out to him, uh, that way. Uh, if he hasn't left any links, which I haven't checked, but if he hasn't left any links, uh, I will, uh, badger him until he gives me the links so I can put it on there <laughs> for you. Um, and from us to you, uh, this is, we say weird shit. We are your humble hosts. My name is Dave. And I'm Liz. And I will see you next week. See ya.